So Rashi's whole thing, his whole thing, it was, I'm going to give the most straightforward, simplest interpretation of the text to the extent that he sometimes used the expression, I write my entire sophisticated commentary that everybody studies. I wrote this for a five-year-old. Hello, everyone. Welcome back into the Zal. Today, it's David Grossbaum, your host. We'll be talking about uh, simplicity. Adam suggested this topic, and in popular connotations, being simple is usually a put-down, but in very common philosophical circles, it's a very good thing to be simplified, and in some Jewish sources, which I'll bring today, we'll see the advantageousness of simplicity. But as always, I'd like to introduce my co-host. He rattles his saber at academic papers. He injects his schmaltz into sociological vaults. The luminary to limousine liberalism, my friend, Adam Valen Levinson. I don't even know what some of that means. My One of the podcasts that I listen to, they do that thing. So uh, I thought I'd embrace the cringe. Maybe we'll take turns. You'll write one for me next week. Well, I appreciate that endlessly, and let's uh, let's jump let's jump right into whatever we're jumping into. Use that for yourself. So, in um, in Yiddishkeit, in Judaism, when the Kabbalah or any other books of mysticism discuss God. When discussing God and the ultimate essence, the word used most commonly is pshitut ha'atzmut, which means translated literally, and again, this is not going to be doing it justice, but in the literal translation, it means the simplest essence-ness. Simplest essence-ness, which means, in, in short, and you'll, you'll, the more Hasidic mysticism you'll study, the more you'll find it, is that the more, the more descriptions you have, the further you are away from the essence. So descriptions are helpful because they offer stepping stones to understand things, um, obviously. But when we're talking about the ultimate infinite, the ultimate indescribable that is God within the, within the Jewish tradition, any description, anything that veers away from anything simple, it's already not it. Any description. What's that, what's that word again? Simpleness? Pshitut. I guess spelling it in English would be P S H. I-T-U-T. The adjective for simple in Hebrew is pashut, and in this context, it's pshitut. You're using that that root. Pashut, pshitut. Is that word, is it related to anything else? Like, are there other words that don't have to... I Sometimes you'll find, um, we'll get to a few other examples, but like the simple explanation for something, we'll get into that a little later, would be the pshat. The pshat, it's the same root word of P-S-H-A-T. Okay. Or sometimes you'll even find, like, if somebody, so if something is, like, stripped away from things, if someone's completely separate, you could hear the adjective mufshat, M-U-F-S-H-A-T, which is, again, like, uh, if someone's super spaced out in the colloquial, in, in, like, Chabad communities, if someone's a very, you know, just a space cadet, doesn't know how to you know, tie his own shoes, navigate an airport, whatever, you call him mm. a mufshit. It's the same, it's the same <laughs> This guy is yeah. completely, you know, he's stripped away. He's totally separate from, from this world. 
I think that probably would work in work in just regular English also. <laughs> this guy's being a total motion over No, there. but then when somebody is, we'll have to bleep this out, but when somebody is pretending to be a mufshit for like, you know, trying to be more academic and just to be one of those more oblivious professors, he's not a mufshit. He's full of shit. <laughs> hey. You know, it's interesting. I was just uh, I was just realizing that that in Arabic, the, the word basit means simple. Same word, same root. What's like the first the letter? It's ba, but there is no p in Arabic, so the mm. ba becomes pa. The sh becomes like a, like a, what they call sort of an emphatic or a fat s. So basit, it's the same thing. And there's a name I had a friend, uh, Basit, and it was like, really, your parents, your parents called you simple, like that was your name, and it, I think it does mean that which has all of the positive connotations that it can. It doesn't, it doesn't have to be this negative thing. And it also means like um, prosperity, or it also can mean in that context. Like mm. it can mean sort of a giver of prosperity or something like that. So I just wonder if those, like all these things are, I feel like I'm doing a spelling bee a little bit. You know what I mean? Like, are there any right. other meanings? Are there any, right. what's the origin? What the, what's the origin, you know, but still, but there's a lot, there's a lot in there. Yeah. Yeah, that that is interesting. The first one, I definitely see the link. It's it's the same thing. The second one, I'd have to think about it. I'm not sure if we've got that within Hebrew, of prosperity. I you would use it. I mean, I've only ever thought of it as as uh, simple. Maybe this is just people being like, well, in modern times, I don't want my name just to mean simple. Uh, uh. But 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 really, really, really historically, for sure, there have been these ideas that it had these these other um, these other meanings. So simplicity in the context of God, I won't be elaborating on because, as I already said, the further elaboration, the further is away from uh, simplicity. So, and, and because I have, I have nothing really to add about. Another example where the word simple appears all the time in Jewish culture and Jewish study is the term pshuto shel mikra, which means the simple meaning of the text. We believe that there's hundreds or if not thousands of levels and, and lenses to look at the Torah with. And you know, you'll hear the term 70 faces for the Torah, but within each of those 70, there's other 70s, you know, it's really infinite. But the level at which one should begin and really should use to kind of navigate the text itself always has to be the simple meaning of the text. In other words, if you're mm. going to be looking at something with the lens of allegory or mysticism or all that, you have to make sure that you are fastened to the simple meaning of the text so your allegorical interpretations or so your mystical interpretations will be on target. Mm. So it's considered the bread and butter. Um, the most famous of Jewish commentaries, I think the most famous, maybe it's a subjective take, but I don't think it's that hot of a take, is Rashi. Um, mm -hmm. And Rashi, maybe how, when, when did he live? You know, over a thousand years ago ish. Um, he his interpretation. You wanna you wanna fact check me on that? Let's see. I was, you know, I think we've talked about this before. What I think of, and this is terrible to think of Rashi. You know, well, maybe not. But my one of my best friends uh, growing up, he had a dog that they named Rashi. Jewish family, and the dog Rashi. And I, I think I remember asking you, like, is that a they love the dog. They love the dog. Right. Absolutely. Love, probably one of the wiser members of the family. <laughs> but like, uh, you know. So Rashi, Rashi lived from the, uh, uh, from from the early 1990s. Okay. <laughs> I was off. All right. He lived a good life. <laughs> 
he was born, Sarashi, the commentary, was born in 1040, so almost a thousand years ago. And he's buried in suburban Philadelphia. Very interesting. <laughs> nice backyard. Tire you swing. Tire swing adjacent. <laughs> um, yeah. So Rashi's whole thing, his whole thing, is whether he was giving interpretations for the Chumash, the Bible, or the Talmud, the, you know, the Gemara, it was, I'm going to give the most straightforward, simplest interpretation of the text to the extent that he sometimes used the expression, I write my entire sophisticated commentary that everybody studies. I wrote this for a five-year-old. Like, if a mm. five-year-old isn't uh, understanding what I wrote, I failed. Or, like, if I'm addressing a concern that a five-year-old would not have, I'm wasting my time. He didn't right. wax elegant. He didn't just bring all these, you know, poetic or or interesting elements to the text. Rashi would just stay quiet. If there was nothing a five-year-old is bothered with in a particular verse, Rashi would literally just not write anything, even though there, there could be tons of Jewish tradition on a particular verse. But if that verse is completely understandable to a five-year-old, Rashi says, my business is, is the simple interpretation of the text, and that is all I seek to write about. I feel like we're going to come back to this or we won't be able to get away from it. But like, it just always makes me think, is there a point at all of complexifying? Like, is the main, the main goal, the primary, the first goal, and then maybe the only one just reiterating the simple trying to rephrase, but at that five-year-old level, until hopefully something comes because you don't know that it's going to come across you might do what you think of as the perfect job but there is no perfect a five-year-old sure, like, might go ah, i didn't know i'm thinking something else so we're not on the same page but mm-hmm. i don't know what pages are you know no that i i get that feeling all the time where i'd be going on on a riff on this podcast and i'll be thinking that i summarized the point really well and you're mm-hmm. like uh david you're gonna need to explain three or four terms and then we'll get start that whatever you just said start it over again you know what i mean sure sure so, sure sure so the point that you just made is so valid and it appears in hasidic mysticism i was going to end off with that point because it's so trippy and very deep that i didn't mm-hmm. want to like elaborate on it too much kind of just give that food for thought have someone else digest it um at the end sure. But that point of finding the five-year-old within the complexity is very central, very, very central to basically why we exist as human beings. But, but we'll, we'll get to that later. Okay. So in this simplicity, just to know about Rashi is, you know, and this is a really fascinating thing, we believe that Rashi's interpretation is so central that if somebody would study the Bible, the Chumash, or maybe study Talmud without Rashi, if you're not studying that simple interpretation of the text and you think that you could you could just wing it, you'd be laughed out of every single room. Any serious scholar across all the yeshivas, across all the writers, if they're an unbelievable brain, you know, the highest IQ of the highest IQ, if they would study the text without Rashi saying that I have the tools to analyze this without that simple interpretation, that five-year-old level interpretation, they would literally be laughed out of the room. It's considered critical even for the most advanced Talmud scholar to study Rashi. Hmm. Mm-hmm. That's, that's really important because I don't, I think in a lot of academic circles, 
and beyond and beyond that people think uh here was this like very simple thing from a long time ago but we've come way past that now Mm. and past you know ssed you know it's like maybe you know again if the goal is simplicity or the goal is being able to communicate at some level where where we're at least together i don't know if we're actually going past anything going forward regardless like it seems pretty important to keep that old stuff alive back when maybe conversations were fresher also Mm -hmm. and so that it wasn't like totally mucked up with so many terms and so many this and Mm -hmm. everybody said that and we're trying to like unpack stuff while we pack and whatever right we shouldn't even be packing we should just be cleaning Mm -hmm. you know little little uh, marie kondo yeah just wait does it spark joy does the does the term collective effervescence spark joy uh maybe you know does getungsvesen really spark joy in your average sociology one-on-one student Uh, could it could but uh you know i knew this would happen that we would try and talk about simplicity and it would be the most complicated yeah oh yeah yeah yes yes well that's what i was going to say too you know in 1964 in in memory of his mother who had passed away the year prior um maybe 1965 um the Rebbe unveiled a whole new study of Rashi. So he would take a, a specific, like, it could be one sentence, it could be one word, or it could be a paragraph long of, uh, in, of an interpretation from Rashi, mm-hmm. a commentary on the Bible, on the Chumash. And, and each week he would analyze it. And he would really grill that Rashi, kind of squeeze it to its course, you know, with all the rules that simplicity entails, saying that, um, you know, Rashi, for example, wouldn't say anything if it was understood to the five-year-old or, you know, the, the interpretation that Rashi brings down doesn't seem so simple as opposed to one that he could have brought down. He would, and he, and he actually um, devised so many rules to understanding the simple meaning of the Rashi and of the text that a, like a, a hard-covered book, it's kind of slim, but still there must be a couple of hundred of rules to simplicity. So, you know, it's a very interesting balance. It's just saying, like, we don't mess. So, for example, there's an example to the rules of simplicity. Sometimes Rashi will bring three interpretations, right, mm-hmm. uh, to one particular text. And if you're, if you're embracing simplicity, you don't need three, you just need one. So the Rebbe basically devised this rule that there must be a lack, something lacking in one interpretation that required the second interpretation. But the second interpretation also has something lacking, so therefore... Rashi needed the first interpretation and the third one solves the problem that the two have that, you know, that only the third doesn't have, doesn't have that problem, et cetera, et cetera. And then like sometimes the, is the problem in one equal to the problem in two and three, or is it, you know, the problem in one smaller than the problem two? you know, on and on and on, um, where you're just looking at the text at face value and you're just saying, yeah, it's pretty simple, but simple simplicity is, is tough. So, you know, and this will get, this touches upon what we'll end off with as well, but simple is two plus two equals four. That's simple. But the world doesn't give you so many situations that two plus two equals four is applicable. You know, you're going to have to find as simple as possible rules in far more complex situations. 
Mm-hmm. And and the rules that the Rebbe laid out in the interpretation of Rashi, these aren't life lessons per se. It's in the interpretation of Rashi, but it's just as true. Is saying, yeah, our goal is simplicity, but if you're going to have to articulate something, there's always going to be rules and, and, and potential complexities that you're going to have to iron out and you're going to have to take the simplest path to get there. Yeah, I, I think that's the idea of like communicating something simple doesn't mean you just take the onus off of yourself or whoever else is a communicator going well i said whatever i want like like mm-hmm. when people you know like a hallmark card or people just go everything everything happens for a reason and it's like okay well you know what do you mean and right. uh and if somebody just goes nope simple so great you know it's like or when people enough. say i'm expressing my truth <laughs> sure you sure. know what i mean it's, yeah that's great you kept things real simple with your own self-expression assuming you were successful in that but if that you know contradicts someone else's lifestyle or or life or livelihood or you know whatever then you know it's not their truth you know right, so maybe that simplification wasn't so simple for the broader realm that you exist in you know mm-hmm. so these things are complex i'm not saying people shouldn't live their truths i'm just saying if only things were so straightforward. I, 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 for some reason now I'm thinking about, and this is not, this is not to say this is an experience that I have. Uh, <laughs> okay. But, but if you get like pulled over by a cop and they make you walk in a straight line, you know, it's like walking mm-hmm. in a straight line. Couldn't be a simpler action in terms of being a person. You walk in a straight line, everything about the number of things that have to be happening for you to walk in a straight, it's a lot. That's mm. why they make you do it. Because they're mm. like, if one of these rules in your mm. brain is is faltering, you're, you're going to jail, baby. Thank mm-hmm. you. Thank you. Mm-hmm. I thought of that while I was uh, being made walk in a straight line. <laughs> <laughs> you're like, I'm a philosopher. The reason I'm walking such zigzags is because I'm trying to I'm trying to think. You know what? What does it take to walk in the street? He's like, get in the back of the car. You know what I mean? <laughs> oh my god! I just got like a momentary deja vu. I think College Humor did a thing on that, where like oh, really? they pull over a philosopher and he's just dropping bombs in them. I don't remember the the punchline if the, if the police officer is like taken over by his depth or he's just like get in the back of the car. I don't remember, but the, but the the whole video is just great. I have to rewatch. It must be like a decade since I've seen it. Yeah, the cop the cop gets in the back of the car. He's like, you know what? I could <laughs> I could use some time alone to think. <laughs> uh, so good. Uh, yeah, they, the college humor went downhill from those early videos. It was a difficult level to keep. They tried to get too complex, yeah. <laughs> We're glad to remind you that the Zal is brought to you uh, by the Dill Farmers Association of America. Remember to put dill in everything. It's just that simple. The DFAA says, remember the old country or piss on your ancestors' graves. It's up to you. Uh, by the JCC ISS, the Jewish Community Center in the International Space Station is the first Jewish organization based entirely in outer space. Home for Jews of all nations to eat food even drier than hamantaschen and to complain about a room temperature that cannot be changed without multilateral agreements between the world's superpowers. All events are free of charge. Transportation is $72 million. JCCISS, we never have a minion, but we can definitely see one through the telescope. So just one last thing on the simplicity of the text and Rashi uh, specifically. In, in Chabad tradition, there's this belief that says that Yena Shel Torah, which means the wine of the Torah, which is a uh, metaphor for the deepest levels of Kabbalah and mysticism, can be found in Rashi. 
So like I said before, even though Rashi is very much the simple meaning of the text, because it's so pristine and pure, and you were talking about the synonyms for simple before, but because it has those traits, it is a really useful vessel for Kabbalistic concepts. So like, for example, whenever the Rebbe would give a talk, and the Rebbe gave hundreds of these talks on analyzing the simple text, etc., the last chapter or two will often, in you know, 90% of the cases, will say, now let's take this Rashi and put on our Kabbalistic lenses, and you'll find unbelievably deep Kabbalistic concepts, which oftentimes would take pages and pages to, to even convey. Hmm. In Rashi, it's like, oh, it's totally there. That right. three-liner in Rashi, which Rashi wasn't even talking about Kabbalah. He was talking about, you know, Abraham talking to Isaac, the simple meaning of the, of the Bible text. But it's vivid. Once you understand Rashi well, and you know the Kabbalistic concept that you're looking for, it's vivid in the text. So the potential of simplicity is really the heights of, of depth, the heights of complexity. You might might need to might need to give me an example. Now, like, what what would be the Kabbalistic concept, and what would be like the kind of thing that would just be in Rashi about something uh, explicit? I'm trying to think if that's my daughter or a werewolf. <laughs> what's the what's the? <laughs> Uh, you know, their their cries have evolved. Not the werewolves, yeah. the daughters I'm talking about. Uh, right, yeah, no, werewolves have been very consistent over time. <laughs> over millennia. Oh, millennia, yeah. Um, let me think. We might need to cut this out because this is one of my favorites, but it's so it's a, such a deep concept. No, we cut every we cut we cut everything. We 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 none of none of these are real words. They're all syllables that we put together and chopped up after the fact. We've never said any of these words. So let's say, for example, um, we might. I'll try to boil this down, but uh, I didn't plan this, so it's not going to be boiled down. When someone okay, says well, something, needless to like, say, this was not uh, exactly a boiled down digression, not our style, but it um, it is really interesting uh, what David was saying about basically uh, we'll talk about layers of complexity. And I'm going on too long, so we put this in uh, a little bonus episode um, that we're gonna we'll put out um, tomorrow. Um, take a take a listen um, and let us let us know what you think. All right, back to the back to the main thread. This could be a whole podcast for itself. But we'll say it in short. You should always teach your student in a short. Digression! 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 So we discussed the simplicity when it comes to God. We barely touched it, but I just gave you the, the, the one-liners there. When we touch simplicity when it comes to study of the Bible or of the Talmud and specifically Rashi. And then um, a big topic within Judaism, especially in the last 400 years, and I'll get to why that recently, um, is the simple people or the simple Jews, the non-complex, unsophisticated. Those Jews or those people have the greatest spiritual potential, etc. So in other words, that, that picture that you have of Tevye from the shtetl, where he wasn't well-versed, part of the jokes, by the way, of of Fiddler, which goes over the heads, ironically, over the heads of all of, or, or most of the watchers of Fiddler, is that he's constantly misquoting the Torah, mm. you know, mm. because, and it was funny to the original viewers and readers of Shalom Aleichem, because they grew up in that, in that milieu, so they knew what was the right quotes, right, what was right, the wrong quote, but ironically, we've come so far that most of the viewers are like, oh yeah, that's the Torah, I guess, you know. Sure, yeah. So either way, so he was the quintessential simple, simple Jew. So whatever you picture for him, for the longest time in Jewish history, people looked down at people like Tevye. Mm. 
because he was blue collar, wasn't well versed in, in Torah scripture, and especially not in the Talmud or Jewish law, and uh, didn't have money, of course. It got so bad up to a certain point that they were allowed into synagogues, the simple Jews, the farmers, the blacksmiths, but they were barely given an aliyah to the Torah, like mm-hmm. to, to say the blessing on the Torah, even for when they had a yurt site, when they, had, they wanted to say Kaddish for their loved ones. They didn't, you know, the prayer that you say when someone passes away and when the anniversary comes around, you say that prayer again. They weren't allowed to say it in many synagogues. It got really bad. So comes along the Baal Shem Tov, who was the founder of Hasidism. And one of his big innovations, when I say one of them, is probably one of three. He was a revolutionary in certain fields, but only three. And one of the big ones was the returning of respect to the simple Jew, to the Tevias of the world. Hmm. And that was extremely, extremely controversial extremely controversial because there was this kind of hierarchy in place where the greater knowledge and ability you had within study and the academy the more respect you got and the more simple you got the less respect you got and for the longest time he was known as a simple Jew. people did not know his greatness in torah study for maybe even the majority of his life but definitely until he rose to leadership his job was to be basically a uh, shtetl bus driver. They didn't have buses, but he picked up the kids to go to, to Cheder, to go to this elementary school, and he brought them home. That was his day job. And no one knew his, his greatness until he founded Hasidism much later. And there's endless examples of beautiful stories of the Baal Shem Tov either reprimanding haughty people for being condescending to simple people or him, you know, elevating the simple person. But he would always quote this piece of Talmud, which the Talmud wasn't discussing this directly at all. It's about Jewish law, but he would apply it into the discussion of simple people. He would say, the line is in Aramaic, it says, Kol de tve, tve. The simpler, the better. The simpler, the better. That's the line. Love it. And I only brought, you know, the beginning when I was talking about the simplicity of God. He said, the simplicity of man reaches the simplicity of God. In other words, the less complexities and kind of filth that you build up with your, you know, haughtiness or, or, or extra sophistication... The less of that, the likelier you'll see pristine examples of godliness in that person's life. Yeah. So, so he would always quote that. He's like, you're stepping on this guy. You don't even know his spiritual power. And not just you don't know his spiritual power. He himself doesn't know his spiritual power. He looks down at himself. You know, that was, it was so inculcated into the Jewish psyche, collective Jewish community psyche, that simple people have nothing to contribute. He was educating the simple person themselves that you shouldn't be uh, ashamed of how little you know. Yeah, well, it's also like what what is no, what does no mean? Like how little you know, does the fact that somebody's gone on a long journey gathering certain kinds of knowledge, what, you know, what do you count as that? Exactly. Like in other words, how many how many beautiful life lessons did Tevia convey, e- even as he was misquoting the verses? Exactly. The I mean, exactly. It, it sort of makes me think of like. Picasso and I don't know like Picasso is not is not simple or or, or maybe I don't know Rothko or something like those paintings that are all white Mm -hmm. or or Picasso whatever that looks like people like ah my kid could do it but the appreciation is very different when people know that Picasso was able to paint anything he went through like all the masters and was able to do that like hyper realistic stuff and the impressionistic stuff and everything 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 and then he comes back to go well I'm gonna do this people go okay all right now we'll think about it and it's like are we capable of actually hearing the simpleness without this sort of justification like are we open to that why why are we not open why are we not open to having 
Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. <laughs> you, you look at the all white thing and you could have no context and you could just go, yo, okay. All right. How do I confront? What do I think? And instead you kind of want, well, who did this and why? And what was the historical mm-hmm. context? What does this relate to? And did they really know what they were doing? And, and mm-hmm. uh, maybe, maybe, you know, it's not, I, I don't, you know, I, I struggle with that. I don't know if that's a to if that's totally off to the side, but. No, that's, I think that's the same point. I think that's the same point of recognizing that just taking things in their simplest form is itself not just a worthy task, but maybe the task. Yeah, maybe people have gotten either too bored or too scared by, by the real simplicity. I don't think there actually really is boredom when you're talking about like life concepts and what it is mm-hmm. to be a good person or what it is to communicate or what Tevye say, yeah. you know, Tevye say, but just, yeah, being good or how to live. Mm-hmm. I don't mm-hmm. think there is boredom. I think there's a, there's some kind of fear that's baked in there. Is it fear? Is it boredom? But when it comes to people, I think the fear of simplicity isn't so much a fear. It's just, I want to be better than another person. Mm-hmm. It must be a bunch of things. <laughs> I've probably said this quote before and I'll say it again. <laughs> but there's this, like, uh, this filmmaker in the 60s, this French guy, he said, uh, L'art c'est ce qui rend la vie plus intéressant que l'art. You're, you're speaking Yiddish and Hebrew. So let's add, let's, how many, how many weird, <laughs> he goes, he goes uh, art is what makes life more interesting than art. So you're not doing the thing. You wouldn't have a big white painting just there just for itself. No, it's supposed mm. to make life more interesting. And how could something so simple make life more interesting? Well, you have to find interest in simplicity again. I think that's probably what, what draws me to that kind of work where you're just forced to confront the simplest possible idea. Well, you know, honestly, talking to to Andrew McLuhan the other time he's living that really natural pristine life and it evokes like a certain jealousy within me almost on the one hand but then I just I don't think I can do it Mm. you You gotta sound edit the birds out of the audio (laughs) right you know I mean physically nature but he also seems like very much one with nature you know and I, I have that maybe it's the Larry David Ashkenazi thing I don't know but I can't watch grass grow. It's just, you know, it's hard for me. Right, right. But then there's different forms of simplicity. Like I, I, I don't. I yes, mean, we're getting back to that. We're getting back to that. It's exactly that's exactly the the Kabbalah that we're ending off with. That's it, that's it. You know, find the simplicity within the complexity. I just wanted to share one story. I don't know if it was the Baal Shem Tov's followers or maybe a, a generation later. And there's so many of these stories. I came across this one recently, so I wanted to share it. But there, there's so many beautiful stories of the Baal Shem Tov and his followers just kind of doing their best to either protect simple people from being laughed at or scoffed at or elevating them. So either way, there was two followers of the Baal Shem Tov. They were traveling and they stopped at an inn. 
And the innkeeper was a Jewish guy, but was a simple guy. He wasn't educated. Again, being uneducated in the old country meant you didn't know how to read Hebrew. Right. So for some people, for some people, they knew how to read Hebrew, but they didn't know a lot about Hebrew. They didn't know the meaning of the word. You know, American Jews come to me all the time and they say, I'm saying these words and I don't understand them. And we have English translations that they could understand, which they are probably so much further ahead in understanding the text of the prayer book than, you know, all of these super rigorously involved Jews, 90 or 95% of Jews 200 years ago, even if they prayed every day or three times a day, these, you know, first time comers to synagogue in America today, thanks to their English translations, they're understanding more, mm, you know, mm-hmm. whatever, either way. So this was a simple Jew. He knew how to read Hebrew, but he, that was the extent of it. The meanings of the words or even what to say, he didn't know. So this guy has the prayer book, right? And the, in the prayer book, they have the morning prayers, the afternoon prayers, the evening prayers, the prayers for Shabbat, the prayers for holidays, the sanctification of the moon, redeeming the firstborn son, bar mitzvah prayers, you know, wedding prayers, funeral prayers, the sitter is everything. This guy was so unknowledgeable that what he would do, his prayers was he would open the sitter to page one and just read till the end of the book every single day in one go. He was just reading the prayer for mourners, you know, the prayer for getting a new, a new, a new house, you know, all the prayers. He would, he would just say it, boom, straight Mm -hmm. from A to Z. And these people witnessed him praying and they're like, what's taking you so long? So he tells them, I'm saying the worst of the prayer book. It's like, yeah, but it's not that much. So that he shows them that he said the entire prayer book. She's like, all right, don't, they were very friendly with him. He said, don't worry. You don't need to say the whole prayer book. We'll leave little bookmarks over here. This is what you say on this day. This is what you say on that day. You start here, you end there. And, and he's like, oh, thank you so much. You know, first of all, his wife is probably very thankful. He got some more time with the family. <laughs> But now he's, now he could pray right. Now he was more just happy that he's saying the right prayers and not saying the wrong prayers. So this is what gets into the miraculous realm. And again, with Hasidic stories, the the lessons that we derive and the the morals are what's most important. Whether these miracles happened in the literal sense or the figurative sense, that's not relevant. Mm. But either way, the the story was that these guys are walking and these guys were of great righteous ability. They were tzaddikim. Tzaddikim means righteous people and they performed miracles that they passed this river and the river split for them. Or it maybe stopped flowing, maybe it was a very strong river and it became, it calmed down. Something along those lines. I don't know if it's biblical proportions, but... I didn't know, I didn't know they, uh, anybody got to do that trick again, you know? That was like a big, that was like a big trick once, you know? Somebody the rabbis like, play the hits, play the hits! <laughs> <laughs> Um, so, so either way, they made the, the river like flow slower or something like that. Either way. So there they go. And this guy, a, a wind had blown or something and all of his bookmarks got lost. So he's chasing after them to replace his bookmarks so he knows how to pray. And as he gets to the river, the river slows down for him as well. Hmm. And the rabbis were like, oh, you know, this guy is of the highest caliber. He reaches them after the river slows down for this guy as well. And he's like, you replace my bookmarks, but please, the rabbis are like, you're fine. Whatever you're doing until now, it's clearly working. You're fine. And they didn't put the bookmarks Uh back. If you're looking for miracle stories, then you got one. But the real lesson of the story is this. It doesn't matter what you say. It matters how you say it. You know, the sincerity, the heartfeltness, the doing your best is reaching realms that most of us that know which prayers to say can't even dream of. Right, right. I mean, that was the key of the... (laughs) <laughs> the Protestant Reformation in Christianity also was in the Middle Ages, just this idea that like, hey, what if we uh, put the Bible in all the everybody's actual vernacular, like in the language that they spoke and just not not just Latin, you know, and the Catholic Church was like, no, dude, that's like our whole thing, you know, like that's that's a, yeah, it's extremely powerful, I guess. Yeah, yeah. Like, let's analyze this story. Let's, let's dissect this frog. We're going to regret this, but let's dissect it for a second. 
Yeah. If someone came to me and said, I'm looking to rebel, so therefore I'm going to say the whole sitter, just like some like really ultra-Orthodox uh-huh. rebellion going on. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But he's like, I'm not just going to say 70 you know, pages of sitter. I'm going to say 400. And that's really going right. to send God a lesson. You know, <laughs> <laughs> That'll show you. <laughs> Either way. So then I would say it's coming from a place that isn't good. Whatever it is, it's not like classic trying to be a better person, trying to be a better Jew stuff. So therefore, even though he's doing the same technical thing that the simple Jew in the story is doing, I'm assuming it's not accomplishing the same thing, right? So I think Mm -hmm. a big element is saying, not that I want my language because it's my language and I'm stubborn. Like you saw how he wanted the bookmarks placed. You know, he he did want to change and do it right, but it was more in the meantime, I'm gonna do my best. Right. Even though I don't have that information that I may even seek, in the meantime, I'm going to do my best. So there's something to be learned. I think there's something there. Maybe we need it simplified, you know, even more. Mm. But just <laughs> to end off with that one liner to give the food for thought, and I'm not going to explain this because I barely understand it myself. And it's such a vital one liner because I hinted at it at the beginning and then Adam uh, alluded to it twice more. And it, it, it's such an important concept, even to like try to understand when you're discussing simplicity is mm-hmm. that, and this is the the line, the Rebbe, dis, the Rebbe loves this topic. He, he discusses it, I, I think, in tens of places. True simplicity, I'm going to give you the line, you run with it, but it is, the line is as follows. True simplicity not only can be found in complexity, but is most expressed in complexity. So in other words, if someone's, you know, loves the simple way of conveying, living, etc., everything we've discussed, but he can only live that in the two plus two equals four realms. In other words, if you could only live this, you know, this peak simplicity life in the realm of two plus two equals four, where things are super clear and understandable and uncomplex, but the moment you come outside and you start having to deal with square roots and, you know, musical notes and you know spoiled milk and and your baby crying and things that aren't so simple and suddenly your simplicity just disappears then clearly even when you were in the two plus two equals four realm that wasn't good simplicity because it isn't rigorous enough to to last when things do get complex so the line isn't that simplicity changes simplicity doesn't change us but the greatest expression of true simplicity, the keyword is expression. It doesn't change. But the greatest expression of true simplicity is when it can be found even in the complex moments of life. Ah, that, that, well, on one side, on one side, that sounds like that it's the most meaningful, that it's the most powerful to be able to find simplicity when things are complicated, mm-hmm. like to find a, to find shelter in a storm kind of thing. Mm-hmm. But another is that it actually is the simplest or it is like that is the platonic form you know that's the ideal of simplicity you're talking about andrew andrew McLuhan from the zoll episode 19 we're just gossiping this entire episode go on <laughs> no no i this is, i was just saying this example of I'm kidding, of, I'm kidding. Of, of, <laughs> of grass Okay, right? Watching the grass grow. There's like, you know, just like the the thing people say for something very simple mm-hmm. or even boring, but so simple. But what's grass? You know, ask a scientist. You zoom in on grass. That gets pretty crazy. Mm-hmm. The plant, there's a lot going on in mm-hmm. a plant, mm-hmm. you know, in terms of, you know, and then go further down. Now you've got, you know, molecules. You go further down, you got 
uh, the atoms, you know, etc. Mm-hmm. Now maybe z- zoom up. Well, what's a piece of grass? Is it's in a field? Well, a field of billions of blades of grass. Still looks very simple. Mm-hmm. You're flying over it. It's just one green square. I mean, that's couldn't really be more simple. And then I don't know, plop a few cows on it. And now it's still really simple. When you pass that, you pass that driving down the road. Mm-hmm. Uh, you go, oh, that's a simple life. Look at that. Mm-hmm. What? Like, right? We just talked about billions of things on top. Macro of environment of and, the, and the effects da, 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 da. those have. You know. Yeah. 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 Endless. But that's the simple life. That's the simple. Mm-hmm. Life. And mm-hmm. so maybe this idea that like a very very simple life is a complicated thing. Mm-hmm. Was that profound enough? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> We're so cynical that whenever we say anything good, we just need to like take it down 13 notches. You know? Yeah, take it down 13 notches. Well, it's, it's that, uh, you know, I think we just feel like we didn't work hard. This is what you're saying. Like you didn't work hard enough to get there. You know, if it comes out and it comes out mm-hmm. in like a natural way, then it was too easy. Then it mm-hmm. wasn't. Mm-hmm. You know, same. Yes. Kind of, this is exactly what we're or, it might be that or just just classic neuroses either way. That's complexity you do want. You want a doctor that's like gonna fucking really try and do some complicated shit. Like simplicity simplicity in that in that level of, of like what's wrong with your foot is probably not great. He's like, yeah, you come in and like doc's like, let's keep things real simple. Here's a lollipop. <laughs> You're like that'll Here's be four hundred dollars. <laughs> that'll be four hundred dollars. Uh, is the foot still hurt? We'll take it off. <laughs> Keep things simple. You know, one is simpler than two. <laughs> what do we leave? Nothing much. Only an attack. An attack. An attack. Okay, thanks for listening to our tangled, convoluted, serpentine episode about simplicity. Uh, remember, a David Grossbaum original, non-original story, a Talmudic digression, and an allegory of some kind, I think. Uh, we're going to put that out tomorrow as a short little extra thing. Thank you to Haryun Bon for the acoustic rendition of Sunrise Sunset and to Jubilee Reed and friends for their Anatevka, also from Fiddler. Wasn't that pretty? Um, Other music and interludes by me. That's why those parts are worse. Those musicians can be found at their links in the show notes. Thanks again for listening, and we'll catch you all soon. It says, Olam Yashana Adam Tamuna Bofum Katsar. This could be a whole podcast for itself. But we'll say it in short. You should always teach your student in a short way, right? In other words,